everybody. Welcome back to your wrong. Matt, what is everybody wrong about today? Uh, well, Luciano, in our ongoing uh, deep dive into the Disney-verse of the Star Wars stuff, we have now progressed into The Mandalorian. Um, because The Mandalorian is two seasons of 16 episodes in total, we're going to chop it up. So uh, we're going to take them in four episode chunks. So we'll end up doing about four podcasts, give or take. So to that end, this podcast is going to cover uh, season one, chapters one to four. Um, what do you think about that? Ah, uh, I mean, it's going to be weird, but when it's when is it ever not weird? But I think we need to address something before we start talking about the Mandalorian. Sure. Yeah, go for it. Well, um, I'm not sure when you guys are actually going to listen to this, but currently while we're recording it, uh, Gina Carano has been fired from the Mandalorian. So we figured we would just address it really quickly off the top with our succinct thoughts. Um, and then we can move on with talking about the Mandalorian uh, and everything else. So um, for me, basically it comes down to she got fired for a couple of reasons, but mostly it's it came down to her inability to care about anybody else's views but her own. Um, you know, you can't go around shitting on other people who you don't like uh, and calling it free speech or calling out hypocrisy because you just end up being a toxic person that way. You know, when you tweet things like America doesn't have a racist problem, it has a violent leftist problem, at a minimum, you're kind of implying racism doesn't exist. And you don't need to shit at other people or denigrate them in order to show how people are shitty online. So you're making a choice there. And choices have consequences. So at the end of the day, you know, she didn't go to jail, but she did get fired from a job because, you know, what the public thinks about you matters. So, uh, you know, just a reminder that free speech, you're welcome to have it, but it doesn't protect you from the consequences of your actions. Yeah, I, so I used to like Gina Carano back when she was an MMA fighter. She was one of the only fighters I actually watched back in the day. I'm not a huge MMA fan, but I did watch her fight as I liked watching Anderson Silva fight and so on and so forth. And so I was happy when she transitioned into being an actress because that meant I was going to see more of her. But yeah, like... I was happy with her casting, and I'm going to talk about it later, uh, just because I liked her. But recently, and I have, I'm, I try not to look at Twitter too much because it's too depressing. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, like when I saw the news about and that we were going to talk about Mandalorian, and I saw the news that you got you know in trouble, and then I went to look into it. It's like why? It's not even that she says those things. You know, the worst part is just re- she just retweets stuff. She doesn't even say stuff on her own. And so, at the one hand, you can tell that she knows in some at some level that like that's gonna be controversial. But at the other, on the other, she's like, "Yeah, I want to be edgy or whatever the fuck that is. I don't know what it is. It's just it's dumb, and I wish she would have just shut the fuck up." But like you said, you know, you, you know, actions have consequences. I, I'm not sure. I believe she's a hundred percent like like an alt right nut, but she's on the way there enough. Right. That, it's what she's know, it's it's what she's presented to us, right? Like, yeah, it's 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 what you said. Really, I, I think you 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 put it in a good way. Like, it's 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 disrespecting others. Just because you think you know everything, or you, because you think you're right about everything, it's just, and then doubling down on the whole thing. Oh, you know, they can't cancel us if we don't let them, and the whole thing with with uh, Ben Shapiro, which doesn't, you know, if she was saying no, that's not really what's happening, and then you go do a movie with Ben Shapiro, that's really not a good way. To yeah, <laughs> this is that's the thing, right? Like, yeah. I, I enjoyed the character, and we'll talk more about the character throughout uh, this episode because she shows up in the fourth chapter, and and I think she does a good job acting and portraying the character. But but those two things are are separate, right? You can get fired for for being a weird person in, in your real life. Um, oh yeah, still be a good actor. Look at um, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, she's not a good actor. Kevin Spacey is a good actor, but you know. fair. You can play a role well. We'll call it that. Yeah, you can be a good actor and a shitty person. You can be a good artist and a shitty person. We've we've seen other examples, but I think yeah. I think we've given her enough of our time. I, you're right. Could not just not have addressed it because it's too, at least for us as we record this, it's too recent and and yep. it's too involved with this with the with the subject matter. Yeah, it's just right, unfortunate. Right. She has every opportunity to to 
repair her reputation and put in some meaningful work to show people that she isn't the way she seems. But until she does that, we don't have to have her in our shows. Yeah, and uh, honestly, I don't see that happening from, mm. well, from what I'm seeing. But you know. Anything's possible, but I, I kind of agree with you. So, The Mandalorian. Yes. Uh, let me cover what it is roughly for people who somehow are listening to this but haven't watched it yet. Um, <clears throat> the Mandalorian is an American space western television series created by John Favreau and Dave Filoni for the Disney Plus service. Um, in a nutshell, The Mandalorian falls around a bounty hunter uh, named Mando. Or, <laughs> I mean, we figure we find out his name later, but yes, yeah, we'll just call him Mando for now. Yeah. Um, and and you sort of follow him around on his role as a bounty hunter. And so the first four episodes roughly cover um, you know half of the season, and so far we've seen uh, actors such as Pedro, pa- Pedro Pascal, who's playing the Mandalorian. We see Gina Carano, who plays Cara Dune. Uh, we see Car Weathers, who plays Grief Karga. Uh, we also see Omid uh, Batahi, hopefully I got that right, who's playing Dr. Pershing. Um, other notables, Werner Herzog plays the client. Uh, Nick Nolte is Kiel. Ugnaught. yeah. It's yeah. K-U-I-I-L, the Ugnaught. Um, Taika Waititi shows up as IG-11. Um, and then uh, and the only other one I want to point out, just because I, find, I found her character very interesting, is uh, Emily Swallow is the armorer. Oh, yes. One of the most interesting characters, I would say. Um, yeah. So um, we're going to kind of muddle our way through here of sort of reviewing and talking about the first four episodes and try to hold it. At least I'm going to try to hold it in the eye in the sort of eye view of I only know about the first four episodes. I've obviously watched both season one and season two, but I kind of want to keep it you know, in in the realm of the first four episodes. But as always, if we spoiler anything in these four episodes or the rest of Mandalorian, well, that's your own stupid fault for listening to a podcast about the Mandalorian. Uh, yeah, yes. Also, I think um, I will also try not to touch too much on what's coming. I've seen the first season uh, back when it came out. I haven't seen the second season yet, which means the the other two episodes are going to be interesting because it's going to be a first viewing for me. But yeah. Um, I think it it bears touching on, like at the end, we might end up touching a little bit on what's to come just from the perspective of what's there. But but yeah, mm-hmm. let's try and keep, we have, you know, enough to talk about, I hope, to, to get us to the end without having to go ahead in, into what's coming. Yeah. And just, just in case you aren't clear as a, as a listener, uh, The Mandalorian takes place uh, after Return of the Jedi uh, and before... Uh, the force awakens uh, i think a lot before as far yeah as it's more it's like i think it's almost right after or within a couple of years of return of the jedi yeah if i'm not mistaken it's five years after the the end of uh return of the jedi i, I read somewhere but anyway. yeah that sounds about right um so let's do what we normally do what's your like high level impressions of of the mandalorian season or sorry chapters one to four so um the first episode always has a a sort of tall order to fill because it's supposed to set up the the tone for the whole thing, right? At least for the whole season. We can't really say about the whole series, but it does set the, the tone for the whole season. I remember watching it the first time. I was really, really f- like happy. That that code open on the first episode with, with Mando walking into the bar and getting that uh i don't remember the the race or the species of the guy that that does the torex emptying which sounds disgusting yeah. <laughs> yeah um that whole scene is amazing like you know you saw that you see that scene on the trailer with him like shooting the guy with the harpoon and pulling him halfway into the door yeah. and and that scene is you're like okay now strap in because shit's gonna get real and and i really enjoyed that especially after the movie i don't remember when when did this when did the mandalorian come out 2019 2019 yeah yeah so that was that was after right after rise of skywalker so yeah i was looking for something to make me like star wars again (laughs) it was the the chaser of all chasers oh def oh my god so much so yes (laughs) So I was, my first impressions, um, and then it's just talking in general about the first episodes mm-hmm. is it's a very classic, 
it has a very classic like TV series feel. And I say that in a good way, not necessarily because like older TV series have a little lower production value. But right. that's not the case here, obviously. It's just the feeling of, you know, each episode having somewhat of a contained story, but also driving the sort of overarching plot forward slowly. Yeah. Sometimes too slowly, I will say that. Um, yeah, we can get into that a bit. I, yeah. I, I disagree slightly, but I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, but overall, I was very happy. Um, I think the casting was good. Um, I, I really enjoy uh, not seeing the Mandalorian's face for most of the first season. Spoilers. Yeah. Uh, well, yes, I guess. <laughs> I mean, we're only talking about episode one to four, my friend. I know, but, uh, well, I didn't see his face in the first four episodes. Anyway. And there you go. Yeah. So I, I was, I was very happy. Uh, I know you were too, but why don't you, to give us a little bit of what your, you thought when you, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. Like, I'm very happy with it. I, um, you're right. It's a very stripped down show in many ways. Um, it, it's funny watching the first three movies, you know, when we watch a new hope and, and, uh, the empire strikes back and return of the Jedi, you don't get a sense for how space Western it can be. And, and right here in the first episode in the first scene where, you know, you're talking about, him capturing his first bounty or the first bounty we see him capture and fighting in the bar like that couldn't be any more western right oh yeah yeah he has a blaster this holster all that was missing was the saloon doors like yeah it it basically (laughs) had space saloon doors right yeah that's the difference (laughs) yeah yeah and and i think that knowing their identity really helps the tenor of the show and it speaks to all four of the episodes we watch it's it's basically you know a western and a cowboy kind of roaming through the countryside or in in this case, the space side. Yeah, the galaxy uh, side. Yeah, yeah, the galaxy side is probably a better way to put it. But I really enjoyed it. And and I think the one thing they do really well, and I'll, I'll probably, you know, share my enthusiasm for it as we go through the rest of this, but they know exactly how to tell you you are in the Star Wars universe and not make it a big deal that you're in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, not hitting it over, you're over the head with it. Yeah, I agree. It's, and like... They make all the right nods to you to say, like, remember this thing without saying, remember this thing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, it's it's like a good way of making references, not not the stupid look at me, I'm a reference sort of way. It's kind of a, like you said, it's a nod. It's a, hey, remember this? But like, if you don't, that's fine. It doesn't matter, right? Exactly. That's the key. Like, the, the best example I can think of that's kind of very out there is the IG unit. Uh, that uh, Taika Waititi voices in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, that you saw that droid, the IG droid, just in passing in Empire Strikes Back when they send out a bunch of bounty hunters to find the gang. And so they bring this back. They show you that Star Wars is a world that has these robots, um, but they don't. They don't. He's just a bounty hunter droid. That's just this thing, right? It's not. It's not like haha. See, see, Empire. Look at over here. We're 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 like Empire Strikes Back. It's just like this. These droids kill people. There's more than one. And and that's the, the really the best way to to tie the universes together. Yeah, you see you see a lot of the other characters that are with the IG unit on Empire Strikes Back. You see them on the scene on Episode Three, which we'll get to, when the the, the bounty hunters are fighting the Mandalorians. You see a lot of them there too. So it's very nice. Like you don't if you don't know about that, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change anything for you. It doesn't ruin it. It doesn't make it nonsensical. But if you do know, you go, holy shit, look at the attention they, they put into that, right? Yeah, I agree with that. So at 14 minutes in, I want to ask my first weird question. Um, and oh, I'll let wow. you kind we're, of... we're starting it soon. Well, okay. I'm going to stagger them out because this one happens in the first episode. And I don't think we're necessarily going to go through each episode, but just because it's in the first. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they refer to the bounty things as pucks. Yes. And... I just have to ask, like, is a puck... Are they playing hockey? Is a puck anything else but the thing you use in hockey? (laughs) I think it is. I I think it's just that that shape is a puck. Yeah, but, like, that comes from hockey. So I'm just wondering, like, it's just one of those things I'm just like, why did they pick puck? Because it's such a unique word in our language, right? Is it from hockey? Are you sure? I think so. I'm going to look up right now. Yeah, because, like... Uh, Black disc made of hard rubber. Oh fuck! The focus of playing in ice hockey. Jesus. I, th- I mean, it, maybe it doesn't come from there, but everyone knows sort of the. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if etymology of the word is correct, but everybody knows it from 
it being used in hockey, as far as I know. But I'm Canadian, so I feel like my reference points is fucked. Whereas <laughs> you're Brazilian, so you might have an outside reference point. Well, I mean, I would never have said puck because that's not the word in Portuguese. But um, but it looks like I'm looking at the dictionary, and it's like so the the archaic meaning of the word is demon or hobgoblin. I'm not even kidding. I don't think. I mean, technically, maybe you can ter- term the bounties demons or hobgoblins yeah but. and then that but that's the the old, old version the new version is it comes from puck in the english dialect which means to puck hit to poke hit and also probably from the irish puck which is butt yeah it, no you're right it's even if it's not hockey it's a sports thing so yeah it is weird Anyways, I'm sure they have sports with pucks in, in the Star Wars universe, but it just kind of stuck out to me as a weird word to use because yeah. it's it's such a, a unique thing. I'm um, so I'm let me let me let me rebate that or like rebuttal that with another slightly rhetorical question about the same episode. So when when Mando brings in the all the bounties he got and he gets paid and then you know uh, grief cargo. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. <laughs> Griff Karga gives him the Imperial credits and he says, oh, I don't want Imperial credits. And he says, oh, I can give you Mon Calamari Flan. Yeah. Did it have to sound like it did? Why, you don't like using <laughs> fish terms for their money? <laughs> like, I'm okay with it being like jelly because Mon Calamari is, is a water planet, right? So you really yep. don't want things rusting. Like you don't want your money rusting. I understand that. It's, it's an mm-hmm. interesting touch. But did it have to go? It did not have to go like that. No, no. <laughs> I mean, it's... I I like it. it. I'm not saying I don't like it. It's just gross. <laughs> this is the thing, right? Is it is it a good name for it and a good way to make it? No, but it's certainly Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Oh, very much so. Yes. Now that... If there's one thing, and this is a good segue, if there's yeah. one thing I think the the Mandalorian, uh, the, like the, the the production team and the the writing team and everybody involved with like running the show understands that J.J. Abrams and the rest of the crew that did the movies do not understand is what makes Star Wars Star Wars. Yes, it's a fundamental difference for me between the show and the movies is understanding. What it what Star Wars is about, and Star Wars isn't just about laser swords. It's a lot about laser swords. It's a lot about the Force, but it's not just that. What about I, gi- giant space sticks that blow planets? Can, can is, it, we, is it about that? Can we not talk about that anymore, please? <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to check. So it's it's not about that, right? It's definitely not about that. Okay. Or not just you know, shut up about that movie. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think I think this is a that's what really caught me is like watching the first episode. I was like, wow, these people understand that there's more to Star Wars than just what the movies presented. Because as we said on those podcast episodes, a lot of the the, the problems we've had with the, the movies was that they were just trying to copy the originals, and we've seen yeah. the original. We don't need it again, right? And so I think it's a, it's a good way, much like you know the games do. Uh, the Bioware games that are now non-canon, but whatever, they sure. they catch the spirit uh, of the the setting and and of the that that universe that George Lucas created. I think Mandalorian does very well the same thing, and I am super happy about this because to me the Mandalorians are like the dwarves of of Star Wars, with the whole blacksmithing thing and being very good warriors and having this yes. sort of you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. This this brings me to my second question, and I was going to save it, but you you tied it to this. Are Jawas the goblins of the Star Wars universe? Kobolds. Okay, kobolds. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they're they're a little more s- stupid than goblins. Yeah, uh, and also there, it's like one of them will never be a danger to you, but a group you can really fastly underestimate them, and then get hit with random debris. And yeah. Then- Almost get run over by a giant fortress. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and and their excitement. The, the most the thing they're most excited about in the world is like eating some like Cadbury cream egg <laughs> from <laughs> from a giant a, mud horn. A hairy egg at that. Yeah, that was weird. I mean, yeah, cool, cool effect. But I'm just like a hairy egg. Mm. It was very okay. gross. And there's a lot of 
of this like nitty gritty stuff that shows on the Mandalorian, you go like, why did it have to be gross? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of that. So I, I just want to point out here that one of the things in the Mandalorian does, which makes it really interesting, is everybody every episode is directed by a different person. It doesn't mean that a director won't direct multiple episodes, but um, there's multiple directors. So yeah. on the first four episodes we watched, the first one was Chapter One, The Mandalorian, and that was directed by Dave Filoni, uh, and John Favreau wrote it. John Favreau actually wrote all four of the first. Yeah, I was going to say I think he wrote all four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next actor, sorry, next director for Chapter Two, The Child, was Rick Famuyiwa. I hope I got that close. Uh, chapter Three is Deborah Chow, and I think that's the first female uh, to yeah. direct a Star Wars thing. And that was the sin. And then chapter four is the sanctuary. And we backed that up with another another woman, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Which um, surprised me very much. Yeah. I didn't even know she was a director. Yeah. But, uh, I have to say, like, all of them do great jobs as directors. Yeah, all of yeah, these shows I, are, are I, very well done. And I think uh, there it's, it's something we see in the Marvel Universe movies that, you know, even with different directors, we still see the same feel in all of the episodes. Like... It's interesting that they they focus on different things. You can tell, uh, like on the first episode of the second, especially the difference between like the Dave Filoni or the Dave Filoni one is a very Star Wars thing, which yes. is to be expected, right? And the fourth episode is sort of off the beaten path, right? The the whole thing, and yeah. it's it's probably my, one of my least favorite episodes. Not not because of anything other than the plot being contrived, in my in my opinion. But we can talk about it a little later. I, um, you know, let's talk about it now because I don't understand how a plot can be contrived. Explain well, to me what you mean by that. So, okay, so, so let's let's just frame this so that people know what we're talking about. So, there in the fourth episode, which is is called uh, Sanctuary, I believe. Yes. Um, we we see uh, the Mandalorian running away with the child. I'm not gonna call him Baby Yoda here because I know it has a name. And I think I know what the name is, but I shouldn't know because I haven't watched the second season. So I'm just going to call him The Child. Baby Yoda. Or Baby Yoda. But I, mm -hmm. I'd rather just call him The Child. Whatever. You're I right. actually wrote Baby Yoda in my notes. so then He's Baby whatever. Yoda. You don't have to call him The Child. It's fine. We'll call him his proper name when we learn it. But for now, he's Baby Yoda. Fair enough. So he's running away having just, you know, he delivered uh, Baby Yoda to Werner Herzog, which just as a side note, I never thought I would see a Werner Herzog. Uh, the Star Wars thing I, makes me very happy. <laughs> who, like, just as a side question, who'd choose more scenery, Grief Karga or the the client Werner Herzog? Oh, I think Grief Karga, just because he has more screen time. Yeah, I mean, I I specifically quote the the situation where he like he's talking to the Mandalorian after he's collected the bounty, and he's like, "They hate you, Mando, because you're a legend." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that and like, oh, they're all weighing down the best car, but not me. I welcome and celebrate your success. Yeah. Like, Hold on, bud. Like more people need him to, to feed their children. He, he he is what you expect when you like, you get like a, a, a an NPC in an RPG, like the voice acting, like they didn't have a good budget for it. He like, yeah just overdoes it for no reason on like a weird plot point yeah or it's like the same person has the because it, the the budget ran out the same person has the, the job of voicing like 13 different characters and they ran out of ideas to make him subtle <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. so back to the forest planet of sorgan um yeah the, so, the child baby yoda and mando are hiding yeah so they they escape from what uh, whatever planet they were uh which is, is something of a, a grievance of mine that they don't show the names or they don't say the names of the planets most of the time. Yeah, they, they mention it later on, but but yeah. for now we can save it. Um, and then they go to this backwater planet because he, he wants to hide from all the bounty hunters and he thinks Sorgan is a, is a good place to hide. So that that's all fine. And, you know, that's where we meet uh, Kyra Dune, which is a very cool... Uh, Actually, reading about this, I found out that her name is Kara Cynthia Dune, which just makes me happy for some reason. Yeah. Um, but they only call her Kara here. Um, and that whole part is okay. What, what, I, what I find contrived about this whole thing is when they move to the farm with the farmers because they want to help the raiders. Or, sorry, with the raiders. So 
here's 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 my problem okay so they get there and then the farmers are like oh my god you have to help us with the raiders and they go we just just two of us yeah but you guys you guys are you guys are awesome you're badasses they go fine sure and then they they go into the so first of all first of all we they, only have so long to record this podcast just it's just fine remind you. it's fine it's it's, it's fast <laughs> okay so the whole training montage with with her training the farmers yeah she trains them to be fighters in an afternoon and i'm supposed to believe that that helps it doesn't help I, I, you're i think you're getting distracted from your plot argument and just... no i'm not so that it's very contrived so i wrote it down here and then they go into the okay they go into the the raiders camp right and they're like oh they have an atst because they knew about it from from the footprints right yep so they go there and instead of trying to find the fucking atst and disabling it somehow or even commandeering it before it's on and firing at them they go no 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 what we're gonna do is we're gonna go in there we're gonna explode shit we're gonna run back here and hope that the thing walks into the hole that we dug that doesn't seem contrived to you well i i I don't know what you mean by contrived like just because just because they they come up with a plan that you don't like doesn't make it contrived no it's not a plan that i don't like it's a plan that wouldn't have unfolded as it did how do you know it wouldn't work? Because, well, it's not that it wouldn't work. It's that if they're both, you know, um, veterans at doing this sort of thing, especially the Mandalorian, with being a well, bounty actually, actually, I would say especially Cara Doom because she would have fought the well, ATSDs. She would have fought the ATSDs with, you know, things of her own, not really like on foot and just her alone, but whatever. It's but like. Had, I, I would argue she has more real world experience dealing with them than yes, the Mandalorian yes. does. But he has more experience with like not ideal situations for combat is what I meant. I, okay. I don't. Yeah. You don't agree? Like he's a bounty hunter. He never knows what he's going yeah, into. Yeah. So what? Like, I, but I get whatever. To I don't, let, me, let me get to my point. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I don't even, even if you can say, okay, so that was a shitty plan, but that's the plan they came up with. Right. right? Mm-hmm. The fact that that ATST stopped right before the moat that they dug and didn't just fucking blast every single thing in sight with the lasers and instead was focusing on shooting just at them or just at the, the buildings at the back. It's like that's not what would happen. If if they if it sensed, first of all, I don't know how it would have sensed that there was a hole there. But you have sense that there was a hole there and wouldn't go forward. And then it was like, okay, motherfuckers, I'll just wait until everybody's here and then I'll give them cover file while they murder all of you. Okay, so a couple of things here. I, I disagree with you because you're you're putting your own logic and thought process onto these like monster men. You don't know if they're idiots or not. So if they're smart tactical geniuses, then yeah, maybe they would have had a better plan. But it seems like they're just brute idiots who like to inflict pain upon people. Fair and, enough. And so for me is is this plausible? Is does it make sense that this would all come up and happen to pass? Yeah, more or less. Then I'm gonna let it slide. It's it's it isn't so egregious that it makes no sense like that. Oh no, 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 no. I, I don't mean it like that. I don't mean it's yeah. egregious and I hate it. I'm just meaning it's the episode that to me made the least sense. The other ones were a lot tighter, in my opinion. Uh, I I mean I guess. I think for me that it's the I don't get too into the nitty gritty um, of that stuff. It's more like what's what's the point of this episode and, and this sort of overall story, right? And, and for me, the point of this episode, the last episode, number four, is he's got the kid. He's escaped from Navarro, the planet we don't know the name of yet, which I just said, but just, you know, forget <laughs> I said it. Um, and and now he's looking for, like he doesn't know what to do with the kid. So he's just like, uh, I'm just going to go hide. Um, and so he finds this weird plan and he tries to hide. And as it turns out, in order to, for him to earn his way to hide, he's got to do something. So it's like, did we need him to spend a whole episode on a planet trying to hide and then realizing he can't, uh, who knows, but it's one of those things where you kind of, I agree with you in the sense that the, pl- the plotting is a little slow, 
but you also need time for him to develop relationships and make friends and people we're going to want to see later on, right? And this is a chance to, to connect to Cara Dune in a meaningful way. Yeah, and, and all of that is fine. I, I think it makes sense for him to hide. It makes sense for him to find a place that is off the beaten path and he, he hopes nobody will know about. And, and when, you know, he even says, oh, it's in the middle of nowhere. That's perfect, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it's fine. I get, anybody has ever played any RPG ever knows that, you know, to proceed with the main quest, you have to help with the side quest. And, and that's just what the, the Raiders were. They were a side quest. That's fine, right? It's, I, I'm just saying that particular part, the, the way that, you know, the, okay, the Raiders attacked and now we have to defend. And the way that they did that, to me, it wasn't very believable that things would proceed in the way that they did. But it's a minor thing. I disagree because I don't know anything about the guys they were fighting. So I, I will believe what they tell me. Uh, I, I'll say this, though. Visually, I really like the way that the ATST was basically not a walker with people inside. It was basically a monster. Yes. Uh, like the, the with the two windows showing the red inside looking like eyes. And, you know, the, the, the way that it was behaving was like an like a like a wild animal attacking more than um, like a, a mechanical contraption that someone is driving. Right. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting visually speaking. And like, it seems like, like, did you notice they did this a lot where they take things that didn't, it seemed almost kind of cartoonish and jokey in, in the original movies and, and made it into something you was actually be scared of. Like if you ran into that ATSD on the battlefield, you'd actually be like, Oh shit. Um, that's fucked up. I need to get out of here. If you're like a regular soldier. Right. Yeah, because I noticed I noticed the other time they did it was when they had the um, is it a is that the version of Battle Droid specifically, um, the one that scares Mando when he's a kid and almost kills him. I uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because that like when you watch Battle Droids in any other medium, whether it's the the cartoons or in the those the first three movies, they look like goddamn jokes. Like not as jokey as like the the tiny ones. <laughs> uh, but like even the big ones are like there's like oh wow, a little scary or cool uh but but it looks menacing when it opens up that door yeah it's and it's the same with uh and this is just a side note i was watching uh the last season of clone wars and they do the same thing there it's like they're these unstoppable giant brutes Right, with no feeling, no remorse, no anything. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. I, I like, I like when they do that because it, it gives it. If you think about those farmers, they don't care that it's a walker, that it's an imperial thing, that you know, no, it's just a monster that's come to destroy their lives, right? So I really appreciated that, and I really appreciated how, um, almost bestial in nature, they it, it was in terms of like the way that it acted, the way that it behaved. Like, it, it's almost like it sensed with sort of an animal sense that there was danger if it went forward, right? But then it, it was, like, provoked by by Kara and, and by, well, mostly by Kara Dune. And then it gave in to, like, fuck the danger, I'm going to attack this prey. It was, it was really interesting. I just, I don't think that that's how it would have played out in reality, if that was reality. But whatever, it's a small thing to me. Yeah, okay, sure, bro. Um, <laughs> moving away from your weird insistence that some TV show you're watching didn't do what you wanted to do. Um, Is blowing it, really it up, that weird? Uh, I think yes. But <laughs> okay. email us and tell, to help me tell Luciano why he's wrong on that. Yes, please. Uh, if you want to. Um, <clears throat> taking a step back to some of the earlier episodes, um, I think... The Baby Yoda reveal, when it happens, when you watch it the first time, is one of the just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Who the fuck is that moments? One of the best who the fuck is that moments yeah. I've had a, in a long time. And when it happened, it destroyed the internet. Oh my God, so much. It's still, it is still destroyed to this day. Yep. We have friends buying like crocheted versions of, of Baby Yoda. I, you know I have who one you are. Heart. You know who you are, people. It's me and also our other friends. I have yes. one in my house. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> um, yeah, like it, it was just, it's one of those, it's one of the greatest ideas I've seen used in a, in a television show because it, 
it injects so much mystery, right? And it's like mm. a mystery you want an answer to. Like the Mandalorian, we have a mystery around him and who he is, and it so slowly unfolds. And I think they do a really good job of showing us like why Mando actually protects Baby Yoda and why he saves him because he's always talking about the younglings and how he was a youngling, and and you see the flashes of his history and like the violence happening, and he was powerless to stop it, and. And so I think it kind of gives you the inkling that he might want to save Baby Yoda because he doesn't think kids that should happen to kids. And it kind of pervades his sort of tough exterior with uh, the heart of gold interior. Um, but but the Baby Yoda is a mystery that we're just like, what the fuck is this? Tell yeah, because, me everything. And it's so, it's so interesting that no other Star Wars thing has ever tried to put another one of Yoda's... Um, species anywhere there's yaddle oh that's true yaddle gets i think like a second of screen time in the the first trilogy yeah but like what i mean what i mean is it's not like yoda is a main character to some extent right and we don't ever see anywhere else even in games or anything like i think i've seen one very non-canon comic put in a female version of yoda and that was it. And there was a very, like, a very sort of, like, you know, fan fiction type thing. It wasn't really official in any way. Yeah, I get your your point, though, right? Like, we don't know anything about the race. Yeah. I mean, we don't even know right now what the race is called. Yeah. And, we, and, and I remember when we were young, at least, you know, my circle of friends, we always argued whether Yoda was actually his name or if it was just his species and he never bothered to correct people. And I don't think it has ever been answered. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just his name because he responds to it. I agree now, but like, you know, it's, it was an interesting... We didn't have the internet back then, right? We had to yeah, figure out uh, shit to talk about. That's, that's fair. <laughs> so, just to, to move past that, unless you want to add more to it... Um, about Baby Yoda, I just yeah. wanna, I just want to add one thing. He okay. is the cutest little troll in the entire galaxy. Like the beginning of of Episode Four, where he's like, you know, okay, stay here. Yeah, and it's just a peer to the side, and then when he it, actually before when he says, "Don't touch stuff," right. And yeah. then he keeps on looking into his eyes and just reaches back and touches another button. It's, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. so great. <laughs> yeah, even in episode four, when um, he's drinking the broth and and he uh, Mando goes to hunt down Cara Dune, and then Baby Yoda's just sitting there, standing there, sipping his broth, watching them fight each other. Yeah. Also, this is something else I wanted to say. The fight scenes in that episode are really good with him and and her. Yeah. I I don't like her for any of the other scenes because she's not a great actress but for the fight scenes those are really good so i'm gonna i'm not gonna say she's a good actress but what i am gonna say is two things one i think the casting of gina carano in this role was perfect Mm -hmm. because they brought someone who is actually used to being in fights and being physical and it made it very believable right away that she was a shock trooper and she was able to handle all those scenes and make them look super realistic because they you know Uh they are, for a lack of a better term. I believe that her, like Gina Carano playing Cara Dune, I believe that that character could punch a Mandalorian on a Beskar helmet and not think twice about it. That's yeah. That's what I like about that. And so that was the, the perfect casting. Um, and what I'm going to say here is I don't think she's a good actress, but I think she's perfect for this role because I don't think Cara Dune has any ability to deal with or handle any sort of emotional range. <laughs> so it just, it's like the Venn diagram of like perfect casting, uh-huh. but, but it doesn't mean she's actually acting. She's just acting the only way she knows how, which is perfect for this individual situation. I, I see what you're getting at, but I, I it's just, it's just a little too off for me, but yeah, I see what you're, I, like I would rather have her there, even with the other parts of the acting being kind of iffy. Yeah. And the fight scenes and the not just the fight scenes physically in terms of like punching and, and kicking, but like being an act an active person, like you said. Yeah. That's very believable. She knows how to handle herself. Even when she's like commanding, you know, when she she's talking to the farmers and she goes, Get ready. Like the way that she says that is very 
It's like, okay, I believe that that person is a, a, a soldier. It's, it's, it's just to throw it all the way back to Solo. It's Kira, right? Kira is like supposed to be like able to handle herself yeah. and be badass. And, and through, through no fault of anybody's, you know, um, God, what's the actress's name escaping me? Amelia Clark. Thank you, Amelia Clark. She is not capable of, of showing that physicality. Yeah. And then coming here and seeing Gina Carano, it's just like, yes, like, like you need to cast people for roles they're good at, not just because, you know, they're filling some other thing. Uh, or, or because they're like, oh, everybody loves them or whatever. Yeah. And I don't know why Amelia Clark got cast. And I'm not saying she did a bad job overall as Kira. I just think in, in the physicality department, they could have got someone who was used to throwing things and like kicking yeah. ass. Um, one thing, other thing that I wanted to touch on was how much I enjoyed the way that, you know, humor is is used in the in the series so far, at least. Um, it's not overt. It's not forced. But it's there in in the way that you would expect in the little, you know, quips or like the little absurdities, you know, the the whole say hi to Spartan for me, um, like the whole the whole trolling thing from Baby Oda or him eating the frog, like that, like it's just it's just little touches of because it's this is not a movie and this is not like the like the um, <clears throat> galaxy exploding shit that happened in the movies is like this is everyday life and everyday life is at the same time you know it's tragic it's sad it's can be triumphant it can be funny it can be absurd and it can be all of those things at the same time and i think it does a really good job like the series does a really good job of showing it isn't all doom and gloom but it isn't also all like all pies in the face right it's somewhere in the middle so i really like that about the series. Yeah, I, you're right. Because, you know, I remember in the first episode with IG-11, um, you watch him, you know, keep trying to, to thermal <laughs> detonate himself. Right? Yes, exactly. And like, it's like, it's basically like two straight men out straight manning each other. But it works. Um, yeah. Because he keeps trying to do it, right? It's like that suicidal droid is kind of a, it's, it's always funny. It's always a funny trope. Um, for some reason. So I, I agree with you. They they inject all the right parts of life and humor into the show uh, in a meaningful way. And even to like, you know, um, the first episode where the bartender is trying to like make sure no one like murders each other in his bar, right? Yeah. Um, or, you know, you look into to sort of the third episode and we get to see see the underground and the Mandalorian's world and, and they start talking about the, you know, the this is the way... And you get to meet the armorer and like those insights into their lifestyle. It's all, it's all played with a purpose. So it's not always fun and jokes everywhere, but everything they're showing you is with a purpose to, to set stuff up for other, other points and, or to understand why man, why the Mandalorian doesn't take his helmet off or why he's the way he is or all those little things. Yeah. And, and, and this segue is nicely into something else, which is, you know, we've seen Mandalorians in several other ways. Like I said, I was just watching Clone Wars and I also watched Rebels. And, you know, on Rebels, one of the main characters is a Mandalorian that kind of ran away. And, and it's interesting to see something that was pretty commonplace, like a Mandalorian and, and their culture was, you know, was very unique, but also very understood in terms of what it is and how it works and, you know, all the houses and other kind of stuff. But now, just as like it, what happened with the Jedi and the Force, where it became it passed on to legend, basically because of how rare it become it became. The same thing with Mandalorians. Like everybody that knows those Mandalorians thinks that all Mandalorians never take their helmets off, and we know that that's not just not true. And it's a very believable um, transition from history to mythology, almost. Yeah. And I really, I really like the way that they did that they've done that. Nobody questions it, right? This no. is the way, and and that that's it, right? It's it's very nice. And and to your point, they we all know that the the Mandalorians. Well, we don't all know, but the Mandalorians show up in other mediums, right? They show up in, in the cartoons, um, oh, and yeah. and but they don't expect you to know that stuff in the show, right? You don't have, you can know nothing about Star Wars at all and watch the Mandalorian and understand what's happening. Yeah, they don't. To your point, like they show you things. That if you're a Star Wars fan, like the stupid Cam Tono, um, 
If you're yeah. a, a super huge Star Wars nerd, you know that that was a fucking ice cream maker that uses a prop in, I think it was uh, Empire Strikes Back. Um, I, I don't even remember. Yeah, it's, it's right. just like there's like a one scene thing where this one of the guys is running around carrying that that Camtono on Bespin, um, and it was just a prop they used an ice cream maker for. Um, and they bring it back and make it this like container that can hold things. And, and, you know, that's where the best car is. So it's like, they have all levels covered, but still they don't make, they don't, they don't go, ha ha, Hey, Hey, look at this thing we found. They're just like, this is the thing that more than just that guy at Bespin uses it to carry stuff. Like it, it now matters. Right. Or it just not matters, but it's, it's in the universe in a meaningful yeah. way is, is, is just a, a brilliant, um, it's, before it's sorry, a John Wick thing. Like you don't, yeah, you don't have to explain what the Camtono is. It just is. Yeah. Is I'll give you a Camtono of Beskar, and you go like, "What the fuck is a Camtono?" But it doesn't really matter. No. You see it later, and you're like, "Okay, it's a container. Is it? Is it? Is it a container? Or is it a unit of measure? Who gives a shit? It's there, yeah. right?" And they immediately tell you what Beskar is, right? He gets one, and he goes yeah. to the armor, and he gets a shoulder mate. It's like, "Oh shit! Okay, I know what this is. I know why he wants it." Yeah. Very, very well done. Um. I just wanted to highlight here because I brought up the Camp Tono thing. Mm. Uh, I, I highly recommend that if you haven't watched it um, on Disney Plus, they have like like a making of series for Mandalorian season one, like three or four episodes, and they delve into how they made it. And one of the things they really talk about that's really key is um, the stage, the the stage they use to make the show. And I'm just looking for the name of that stage because I, I thought I wrote it down. Um, uh, I can't remember where I wrote it down. Anyways, the stage they built is it's 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 like a, a giant circle with a dome, and everything is like uh, LEDs or lights. So so they use a screen to to show the distance, uh, like the background, and so they film directly in there. Um, and they have like programs set up to do the weather and everything on the screen. So you can actually just film straight up. You don't have to green screen it afterwards. You have That's to touch really things neat. up, but it, so it makes the world real and living for all the actors. So all those things are kind of like, it's drawn on the screen. So if they're in a city or a town, they can see behind them. They can see the landscape and everything and act towards what they're seeing. And it's basically a 360 view all the way around. So, so they're like inside the environment at all times. It's, it's like, it's super uh, forward. And I think it's now starting to show up in a few movies, but um, I just wanted to highlight it because it's, it's an impressive piece of technology. Yeah, it's something we didn't touch on when we were talking about the movies, but it's something we should have said is that the the three movies, they made sure to use as many practical effects as they could, which is a good idea. Um, but I think that what you're saying, like they, they made a much better use of let's give the actor something to work with rather than just green screens and tennis balls, right? Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I actually might go watch it right now. Actually, I recommend it because they talk about the Camp Tono. They have a sit down with the the directors and they kind of talk about why they like Star Wars and how they got brought into it. There's, it's really, really um, interesting to sort of talk about the overall process to to bring the the Mandalorian to, to light. The name of it is the ILM Stagecraft. Um, they call it the Stagecraft uh, is the thing they're using. So I, I recommend cool. checking out. Um, so I just kind of wanted to highlight here because you can kind of bouncing around left, right, center on all these things, just talking about what we like and what we don't like. And and I think we should probably zero in a bit before we end this podcast. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's hard to talk about where the story's going from here because we know. Um, but the question I would have to ask you is, I guess, what what has been your favorite moment up, up for, through these first four chapters? Uh I would be torn between um, the time when he brings back the full Camtono of Baskar to the armor and she builds his armor and the whistling birds to him. Yeah. Like that scene is very dwarfish. Like for, f- for, for us that are like, you know, fantasy fans. It's you mean so- the, the foreshadowing birds? Oh yeah, I actually wrote it down. It's like you should have waited a couple episodes, right? Not just use it like in the same episode. You but didn't yes. have to, but sure. Yeah, the yeah. foreshadowing birds. Let's let's just christen them the foreshadowing birds and use yeah, them. because yeah, um, it's so it's either that because that that's a very like sort of um, not toned down, but like very sort of mellow kind of scene. Uh, it's it's very. Um, <clears throat> There's a lot of gravitas to that scene, but it's very sort of 
like it's it's its tone is very mellow, right? Or the the Mandalorians arriving to help Mando when he's running away yes. to his ship. It's either one of those two, I think. All the jetpacking in and yes. just like the pulse rifle he has. Yeah, and I just just like showing what we've always heard and always known, and with Boba Fett, we've just been told because it was never actually shown. Yep. How good warriors as warriors they are. Well, he's not a Mandalorian, so. Yeah, I know, but that's that's the reference we had before, right? And in in the cartoons, it's always very like cartoonish, like too much, right? Um, it there's a lot of in, the, in those cartoons. There's a lot of okay, now they're badasses, now they're useless, now they're badasses again. And here it's like no, they fucking rock, and you know. It, it, it gives you just a hint into the idea that when they talk about the Mandalorian War, when the Jedi fought the Mandalorian, why yeah. it wasn't a cakewalk, right? When you think of it, it's exactly. just like, yeah, a bunch of guys with laser swords can kill a bunch of dudes without laser swords, no problem. Like, we only see Jedi able to handle Jedi, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that scene is just like, oh shit, okay, maybe it's, yeah, maybe they are badasses. Yeah, I loved seeing the, the Viber Knives as well, that they always all have one and how, how like, it looks very realistic. Yeah, it's great. Uh, looking back on on the whole thing the second time, I actually noticed that uh, on the, the the mud planet mm-hmm. when he gets attacked uh, in that sort of like canyon, those guys have vibro axes. Oh, really? I didn't notice. Yeah, the axe heads are, are vibrating the same way. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. What was your what was what were your favorite moments? I mean, that's that's a great segue. I don't know if you set it up, but I just love all the touches they put into this universe to say this is Star Wars. And it's meaningful, it's impactful, but it's not over the top or unnecessary. So Jawas being on a different planet is a great example, right? Like mm-hmm. they're they're a race of people that matter and like seeing them do stuff. Seeing seeing things that we heard about, you know, on on the Empire Strikes Back when um, Vader tells Boba Fett, no disintegration. Seeing Mando run around with a rifle and just start disintegrating fools left, right, and center um, was like, just like jaw dropping. I was like, holy shit. Like, it was. I love that gun so much. Yeah. It was so good, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but just filling out the Star Wars universe in meaningful ways, being on that planet, seeing the, you know, the his ship, whose name escapes me because I haven't fucking. Razor remember. Crest. The Razor Crest. I will say, I. I have a hard time initially seeing the Razor Crest as being a piece of shit. I can't tell. Like, close up, I guess it has a bunch of different panels on it, so it's like it's been repaired, but it kind of just looks like a ship to me. Yeah, um, it's it's not as much as a piece of shit as it is very refurbished, I think. Yeah. Um, but just all those little touches, all the touches to say, this is Star Wars, like this, the job is using the shotgun on Mando. I wrote down a bunch of them, that's why I'm going through them. But everything they do is in service of filling out the Star Wars world and making it seem like it's an actual universe and not just something a bunch of Jedis and their friends parade through trying not to get murdered by evil people. Yeah, it, it, like the movies, and, and even the, the original movies are guilty of this, but they have a reason because it was the time, right? Um, yes. It feels like, uh, you know, when you, I don't know if you've ever done this personally, but have you ever went onto the backstage of like uh, a ride, like a Disney ride or maybe a play, like a, a stage play or something like that. And when you look at it from the audience, it looks like this whole huge thing that that is, you know, everywhere. And then you yeah. go behind the scenes and it's like shells of things and things are hollow. And, you know, they only go as far as they absolutely have to go. And then beyond that, you can see, you know, the... <laughs> The, the wooden blocks and the <laughs> yeah so that's kind of how the star wars universe always felt to me before the books and the games yeah it's like i only like you you they go to whatever coruscant and it's just coruscant is oh this pl- whole planet is a city yeah, yeah but i only see that one fucking building mm-hmm. and i have a hard time believing that there is anything else you know what i mean and this like I find that Mandalorian does a good job of what you're saying, like filling those holes in with substance, right? Mm-hmm. And and fleshing them out in ways that it doesn't like. It wouldn't really matter if they did, but it's there. And if if you appreciate the kind of thing like I do, it's it's like oh okay, I see, right? You know the the whole thing with um, 
uh, where is it in my notes here? Yeah. So like the whole thing with this, so the empire is dead and then, okay. Their imperial credits. Oh yeah. We don't like it anymore. (laughs) So now we know where we stand. And then he goes to talk to someone and the, you know, Oh, there's a client, blah, blah, blah. You open the door and there's stormtroopers there, but they're not like, in a pristine sort of very empire centric sort of situation where everything is black and white and very clean and very polished and the stormtroopers are perfectly pristine. No, they're dirty and the armor is sort of like cracked and and not full entirely. And it's like a almost like a dingy motel room where he's sitting there and his clothes are obviously good, like well tailored but they're kind of ruffled like all of that that stuff you know okay the empire is dead and you know whoever is left isn't that they don't have the the ability to keep things clean and you have a million stormtroopers he has like four right yeah yeah exactly so that kind of thing to me is much better than space dicks killing planets by far yeah no, that's exactly what it is. It's it's the world has gravitas and meaning and impact in a way that the movies just, I don't know if it's struggle, but sometimes it feels like they refuse to. Yeah, they just don't do. want to do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it makes me even matter that, you know, when, when you get to the point where um, Force Awakens starts, and now they have a million stormtroopers and a million ships and a million stations. All everybody just super well groomed and like no dirt on their own uniforms or whatever. It's it's just even more aggravating, right? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Um, so we're coming up on time. I would say, is there anything you wanted to add about any of the specific episodes or like overall? Um, I, I think if I was to put a score to it, just because this is what we do here and, and it's weird to put a score to like four episodes in a show, but why the hell not? Um, why don't I will... we do out of five and then we put together the two halves? Okay. Sure. Okay. I can convert that. That's fine. Um, <laughs> and it helps me avoid the coward's number off the top. Which nice. Is, nice. It's helpful. Um, <clears throat> so I will say is I think overall um, I really enjoy The Mandalorian because – it's a show that takes great care in showing you a universe and a world and and f- f- making it feel like Star Wars is fun and interesting and cool again. Mm-hmm. Um, I will concede slightly on your idea that's a bit slow paced. I think I think they're doing things to set stuff up. Yeah. But sometimes it feels like when shows are, you know, trying to fill out episodes they they're short of meaningful things and so they kind of do some boring stuff and it's like it's right on the border of you know episode four did he have to go to a planet and spend the whole entire time there i don't know i guess it gets of a friend in a relationship in gina carano sorry cara dune <laughs> that is used later on which is beneficial but sometimes i find those shows drag those things a bit more than they need to but beyond that, it's just, it's fun. It's an interesting story. You have a really interesting mystery in not only the character, but the baby Yoda thing. Um, he, he's a badass. You see him get himself in problems he can't solve. People help him. But you also see him kick some ass. Like when he's rescuing baby Yoda, you know, he's using all his bag of tricks. He's sneaking up on guys. He's disintegrating them. He's shocking them. He's using the whistling birds. Sorry, not the whistling birds. The foreshadowing birds <laughs> immediately. And it, it's a really... It's the Mandalorian we all thought Boba Fett was. In mm-hmm. our brain, the guy we created in our head is now visible on the screen, and he's yes. there. And so for all those reasons, um, with the slight downgrade to the weird pacing, I'm going to give it a four out of five. Yeah, that's exactly the same the same uh, rating I, I was I was going to give it. Uh, it's, it's a four out of five for me. Um, I have a couple of other problems. I actually, thinking about it now, I think that whole sequence in... Uh, Sandor? What the fuck is the name of that planet? Yeah. Whatever. Um, the, the, the farming, fishing yeah, farm Yeah, it planet. could have been like half an episode instead of the whole episode. Yeah. Yeah, but like to me, so I have a couple of more small issues that, that also contribute to that. I don't like Grief Cargo as a character. I think he's very flip-floppy. And this is going to become more apparent in the coming episodes. 
We're but, not talking about those episodes. Yeah, so I'm going <laughs> to leave it at that. It's, but to me, it's like he... It's almost like he's trying to be this sneaky sort of attempting to be political maneuvering guy and failing, which is fine. Yeah. yeah. I just don't like the way that it's I don't know if it's Carl Weathers' fault or if it's the character's writing fault. I just don't it's weird. I, I don't like him. I think Carl Weathers is actually a pretty okay actor. So I think yeah. it's probably the character. Yeah, it's it's almost like Zori in 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 Return and uh, sorry, Rise of the Skywalker. It's, return of the Jedi, get fucked. I was gonna say Return of the Skywalker. Please don't return Skywalker. Just stay dead, <laughs> all stay of dead. you. Yeah. yeah. Um, in that, it was an interesting idea that was poorly developed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and like I said, I don't particularly like the way that Gina Carano portrays Cara Dune when she's not fighting, sure. but I. I think you've convinced me that I would rather have Gina Carano there because of the fight scenes and the action scenes and making she makes a believable soldier and shock trooper. Yes. Um, and then just deal with the awkwardness of her not knowing how to act. That is the key is you need someone who's believable as the shock trooper, not as the human. Yeah. Connected yeah. to it. So, so you, you I, err on the side of, of shock trooper. Yeah, I I'm I'm okay with that now. Yeah. I, I, when you pointed it that way, it's a, it sort of like flipped the the perception for me. Uh, um, a question about grief cargo before we go too far. Okay. Did Mando intentionally shoot him in the best car, or was that an accident? That was an accident. Okay. I don't I don't think he he cares that much. Like he was just I don't think he wanted to absolutely one hundred percent kill him, but he was yeah. shooting to kill. Fair. But, he doesn't care that he didn't die, but mm -hmm. um, I think if he wanted absolutely to kill Griff Karga, he would have killed him and gone to retrieve the Baskar. So he was trying to avoid it. He, yeah, he was just trying to like get out of my way, right? If you yeah. die, you die. That, that's what I think. Um, and he, this is a very weird sort of left field thing. I don't like the way Mandel walks. I don't know why. It's it's a small thing. It doesn't change anything. It just bothers me. The way he holds his arm when he when he walks is almost like he's almost always going to a duel. I don't know. It just bothers me. Okay, and that's how you want it in the episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I, I yeah I I see what you mean about grief. Um, I don't know what you're talking about, Mando. I haven't inspected his walking closely. I'll look at it in the next four episodes, and I'll okay. let you know my feelings. <laughs> but overall, um, this is a really fun series. Uh, the first four episodes were really, you know, good, a great setup, and I'm excited for the next uh, four episodes. Um, if I didn't know what they were about, um, that would be good. But knowing what they're about, I think it in some ways makes it better because I think it's a couple of really fun episodes in the second oh, half. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing Bill Burr again. So, yeah, I really like his character. Spoiler yeah. alert. The, the only Bostonian in the entire... <laughs> In the entire Star Wars universe. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, that's all I have to say. Um, I think I remember watching like the first time and I was excited. Not like I was more excited then because I didn't know what was going to happen. But I was like, right. this is going in a good direction is what I felt. It wasn't. Thank God you didn't fuck this up, too. Uh, that that I got done with with like the first two episodes, I guess. Okay. And then I was like, okay, now I want to see what's happening here. Yeah. I want to see where this goes because I was the, the fact that he went back to help uh, baby Yoda was sort of a twist for me. I yeah. thought it was going to happen in some other way. Not him. Like just saying, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to go rescue this kid. And so I was yeah. like, Oh my God, why is it going to happen now? It's and interesting. He took the best guard made armor out of it. I was just like, Oh, okay. I guess we're done with baby Yoda. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, that armor is so cool. Holy shit. The armor that, that the, the armor makes for him with the best card. Oh, it looks so cool. Um, I, I, I don't want to continue this episode much longer, but I did want to mention, did, did, was his armor, original armor, best car armor as well? Could, no, like, no. Yeah, because he took it off and it's just like, he's like trying to fix it and, and change it up. But it just, to me, it looks like the, like the, 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 the pauldrons look like solid best car metal. So I was wondering why he was like, you know, futzing with his shitty metal um, and trying to make it work. Only, the only thing he had that was Beskar before 
he got the first like the down payment i think it was his helmet yeah then nothing else but yeah it looks so cool <laughs> that and and you get to see how why they like Beskar so much because he gets shot a lot on that thing and nothing happens whereas yeah. with the other stuff it like it cracks and breaks and you know that shit and especially when he finds the mud horn like he gets fucked all the way to hell right yeah and when once he has the best guy he gets shot and he gets thrown around and nothing really happens yeah i i let's, let's end it here because we're gonna we're gonna go on forever about this stuff but i think seeing best guard in use and seeing what it is and how powerful it is um is really helpful and meaningful for for how things go on in the universe yeah, and why why is it so sought after? Right? Exactly. Why Mandalorians are so feared, I think, is, is really tied to the best car. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, we're done? Uh, yeah. All right. Well, Unless I you have something else to say. Nope, that's all the time we have for today. Um, if, if you think we missed something, if you think we are wrong about something, like, I don't know, say the plot in the fourth episode... Uh, feel free to email us at your wrongcast at gmail.com uh, you know you could tell me if I'm wrong about something too but mostly the, the plot thing but for now I'm Matt I'm Luciano and I'm not wrong mm, and here we are um, <laughs> listen in this case it looks like you might be right Luciano might be wrong yeah, it's probably going to end up so. that you're wrong but I'm not going to be wrong Just remember that at the end of the day, you're all wrong. We'll see you next time.